the demons changed appearance to look like the women's husbands. They filled the women with that spirit of darkness and wickedness and brought into being gold and silver, money and coins, iron and other metals and all things of this sort. And the people who were attracted were led astray into troubles and were greatly Oh, sorry, here we go. And the people who were attracted were led astray into troubles and were greatly misled and grew old, experiencing no pleasure and being led astray. And that's how it's been since the beginning. All right, welcome, friends. Sorry about that. Uh, skipped out on the page there but anyways um i'm your host san garcia this is secrets revealed here on truth frequency radio and we are following up i think this is the 20th installment of our chapter by chapter verse by verse introspection of the book of enoch and i'm joined by rob skiba rob are you there brother i am here zen how are you I'm doing good, brother. How are you this week? What a crazy week this has been, man! I am—I gotta say—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm almost to the point of com- losing complete faith faith in humanity. <laughs> the way things have been going lately. Mm, well, it's it's hard to have um, you know confidence in stupidity, uh, <laughs> and humanity seems to be uh, embracing that as conditions. So, yeah. It's uh, getting kind of frightening, actually, mm-hmm. when, when you think about it. But I don't know. Uh, I I know uh, with whom I put my trust. So I'm I'm just gonna like yeah, Father, absolutely, please like help, because <laughs> right, this place is being overrun by lunatics. It really is. It really is. Um, you know, the whole one flew over the cuckoo's nest uh, <laughs> seems to. Seems to be where we are in these days. <clears throat> well, you know, you know, we, we we've talked a few times about uh, gardening and how I'm trying to, yeah, f- figure that deal out. And you know, I I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's definitely not the point and click world that I'm used to. You know, uh, <laughs> plug and play is not gardening. That's that's for yeah. sure. Um, uh, it, there's a huge learning curve. Um, there, there's fortunately there's a fantastic amount of uh, resources out there for free. You just gotta really take the time to seek it out and, and look at it right. and go out and do it. But meanwhile, like I'm seeing more and more news reports of like millions of animals being euthanized and huge oh gosh, mountains really? of uh, good, otherwise edible produce being discarded, just left to rot and thrown away all because, you know, this whole COVID-19 thing, you know, uh, on the one hand, I am against the meat market uh, system that we have uh-huh. uh, and right. just the horrors that these animals have to endure. I, I mean, it's just, right. I'm, I'm totally against that. So on the one hand, yeah. I'm, I'm happy that the meat markets have been shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
euthanizing these, you know, maybe maybe it's a good thing for, for these animals. Frankly, maybe you know it's right. a, an act of mercy to euthanize them instead of putting them through that horror. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, and I'm against GMO uh, food and all, you know, yeah, plants absolutely. and stuff like that. But the fact remains, people were still eating that meat and they were still eating that produce. And you know, just because we don't have staff to uh, man the various facilities that are the the intermediate between the farmer and the end user, that doesn't mean we just get rid of the food. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I, I just posted an article today. There was somebody named uh, Molly Page that in uh, I think it was in Boise, Idaho, or someplace like that. Uh, she saw that there were just mountains, like huge mountains of potatoes that were just left to rot. Like, they're like, oh, well, I guess we can't do anything with it. So, you know, just she's like, no. You know, people have pickup trucks, you know. So she organized uh, some community meetings and stuff, got people together to do Operation Rescue Potato, you know, Potato Rescue or whatever, um, and get that out to people. I mean, it's like, okay, farmers, you know, I can appreciate your position on one hand uh, and the financial stresses that you're under, just like everybody else. But... You know, if the issue is you're not making any money because you can't sell it to the various distributors or what have you, so you're just gonna throw it away. Like, it, right. th- if the net result for you is no money anyway, why starve everybody? <laughs> you right. Know, like, yeah. You know, I mean, look, if it's gonna be thrown away, you can give it away. And I'm like, do, wh- why do I actually have to explain this to anybody? No doubt. You know what I mean? It's like, man. I mean, it's just like a forced starvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then you see, oh yeah, Bill Gates is working on you know creating artificial meat. Well, yeah, of course. Oh it's, my guys, gosh, a, a Lunaf- Luciferian psychopath who cares nothing about health and everything about wealth. He's thinking, oh yeah, forced pandemic, cool. You know, everybody needs a vaccine. Imagine getting one dollar mm-hmm. from seven billion plus people. You know, uh, oh right. and by the way, there's no food. Hey, here's my fake meat. You know, yeah. <laughs> like try the Soylent Green. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the other thing, right? <laughs> it's people. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, we, we can laugh about it, but you know, the, the reality of it is becoming shockingly uh, apparent that True. we may be yeah. headed in that actual direction. And yeah, that's so sad. Uh, but then on the other side of it, oh man, it's like no good deed goes unpunished, man. Mm. You know, last night I thought, okay, you know, I've come against Q and in various things about Trump, you know, uh, an unfair number of shows that both that I've yeah. hosted as well as shows that I've been on talking about it. Uh, and I've got friends that are like hardcore Trump and Q fans. So, uh, right. and one of them, you know, he's a dear brother. He's, I met him at a conference, uh, the Isaiah forty six ten conference, uh, a few years back. And, uh, he and his son have prayed for Sheila and I and for our son and, you know, our ministry. And they've been, mm-hmm. uh, regular, faithful financial supporters of what we're doing. So, you know, he's somebody that has taken the time to invest in us, not just financially, but, you know, emotionally right. and spiritually. And, you know, so he's a brother yeah. that, that, you know, I love the guy. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's a hardcore Trump Q guy. So anytime I post something anti-Trump or Q, you know, he's there. Boom. You know, <laughs> with <laughs> so, so I'm like, all right, dude, you know, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'll give you a platform, two hours on my show. Uh, convince me, you know. Mm-hmm. And even that, man, like, you read the comments in that video, and, like, now, granted, I don't think you did a very good job of, of convincing, but still, you know, it's like, look, I'm trying to be objective here and look at 
both sides of the argument, give a fair, you know, platform for both. It's just, man. Oh, and last week, oh, man, I wore a mask, so now I'm part of the cabal. You know, it's like, <laughs> look, I have, like, allergies, and my wife's just trying to help people, you know? Right, and people, right. Because, like, you can't even go to, like, some CVSs, for example, won't even let you walk in the door unless you're uh-huh. wearing a mask. So, okay, right. you can protest. I get that. I understand that. But, like, if you need something, you're, you're all you're going to do is protest and walk away not having whatever it was you needed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, or you can say, okay, fine, I'll wear a mask so I can go in there and get what I need. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand the whole idea of capitulating to the man. I, I get that. Uh, me personally, look, I've had allergies. You can listen to shows that I've done this time of the year. You know, throughout the last ten years, you can hear me sniffing, sniffling, sneezing, coughing, going, "Oh my god!" Uh-huh. You know. So, yeah, I need a mask for allergies. But people, oh, uh-huh. go go read the comments from last week's show. It's like, of course, I should learn. You know, if you, the the key to internet sanity is don't read the comments, right? Right, right. Stupid monkey! I'm still not. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm still not getting it. Oh, right. well. anyway, man, it's just like. And meanwhile, you got a huge number of people uh, on the let's throw Paul out of the Bible train right now. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah. Somebody asked me to um, to you know to comment on that and do a show about that as well and some huge ministry came out with something about that yeah it was um, um well uh uh justin best of christian truthers who's a friend of mine yeah um yeah, right uh bo- i love both those guys justin best from christian truthers and adam uh, fink from uh, parable of the vineyard you know I, I, first of all both of these guys still name yeshua as their messiah so uh-huh. uh and as long as they're on that path i'm like okay fine you're a brother you know, mm-hmm. uh, beyond that, these are both military guys. So, you know, we're like brothers in arms in that regard. Yeah. Um, and they're just good guys, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, I like these guys. Um, but, I, you know, we, we had a real good heart to heart private uh, three way phone uh, with like a Skype call the other day. Um, just kind of talking through some things. And, uh, you know, I'm like, look, man, you know, I love you. I support your quest for truth. I mean, we got a show called Quest for Truth for crying out loud, right? We should be able to right. to ask questions and seek out the answers. Uh, that said, if you've already come to your conclusion and I happen to disagree with it, I'm going to oppose it. You know? Right. Uh, so, you know, no offense. I love you, brother. But, you know, every time you put something out that like that, because you're talking about throwing out two-thirds of the New Testament and mm-hmm. calling into question... What's left? Because <laughs> right. it's like, well, Luke right. wrote, Luke wrote all about this, the Book of Acts. So you just now you got to question Luke's credibility, and Ananias uh, was called by Yeshua right after he blinded Paul, and said, mm-hmm. "Hey, uh, you got to go talk to this dude. He's having a dream right now, or a vision, or whatever. That somebody named Ananias is going to come see him. So if that's you." He's like, "Yeah, but Lord, like he's the guy killing everybody." He's like, "No, I, right. I, I have chosen him." Yeshua said that to Ananias. I have chosen him. So yes. they're saying he's a self-proclaimed apostle. No, it, it now see this is what I mean. You got to throw out Luke's testimony of Ananias, uh, who had a, a appearance, a vision, uh, whatever, a word from the Lord saying, "Hey, you know, I called him, go heal him and show him what he must suffer for my sake." So then, mm-hmm. right after that, he, and it says he laid hands on him and he received his sight, and he became filled with the Holy Ghost. Right now, we got a big problem going back to something you and I have talked about a number of times: the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. When somebody mm-hmm. is walking in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit doing things the word. Yes. and people come alongside and say what they're doing is of the devil 
uh, that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, yes. you know, uh, and it says in Acts chapter nine that Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost. And the the some people say the you know the byproduct of that is tongues. I believe tongues is part of it. But the the number one byproduct of being filled with the Holy Ghost is walking out in boldness. You see it over and over again. They're filled with the Spirit and they went out and boldly proclaimed the gospel. You know, and mm-hmm. that's immediately what Paul starts doing. And then he's heading down from Damascus down to Jerusalem. And somewhere along the line, uh, Barnabas is watching what this guy's doing. And so when the other apostles got wind that Paul's coming down their way and they knew what he was about, you know, after killing Stephen and what have you, uh, they, were, they were afraid of him. But Barnabas vouches for him. So now you got to call into question the credibility of Luke, Ananias, and Barnabas. And then later you see that James, Peter, and, you know, the council and everybody's accepting him. You know, so now you got to throw Peter out. Right. You got to throw. You know, it's right. like we're ultimately when you go down this path. I've seen it happen so many times. <laughs> eventually, you throw out the New Testament, and with it, Yeshua. Right. So, mm-hmm. of course, I'm going to take a stand against that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I am as well. And you know, I I told people about the uh, there's the Epistle of the Apostles, which if you read that, and it's one that many people are not familiar with, but it's one of the anti-Nicene, the council, the church fathers, and their deliberations, and one of those epistles. And it specifically makes mention, I mean, uh, Christ, you know, the, at the time that he's meeting the apostles after his resurrection, he's telling them, you know, I'm going to send you Paul, and I want you to heal him, and he's going to be... Um, my anointed for the Gentiles, you know, and he's telling this to the apostles um, sometime after uh, the the resurrection. And so um, it's clear to me that he's part of the work. And then um, especially when you read, because we put together the Great Commission series as well, and books one and two are on the Acts and the Gospels, um, you know of the apostles and the work that they've done and it's an elaborated because it also has many of these texts where the uh, apostles go forth two by two to the different parts of the work and doing the great commission baptizing in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and taking the gospel to all the ends of the earth and in that uh, work paul is instrumental in working with all of the various apostles as they cross paths and are assisting and aiding one another. And then, you know, there's so many other texts like uh, Paul and Thecla and, you know, all these other manuscripts, which in my mind make it clear that he was without a doubt, he put his life at risk to do the work of the Great Commission and was anointed uh, as part of the group of the apostles and in doing that work and and so you know again I invite people to to examine this material because it becomes clear um, it's undeniable and then uh, other books like you know we see in second Corinthians that Paul speaks about being taken to the third heaven and seeing paradise and there's another text well two actually the vision of Paul and then the apocalypse of Paul and both of those give great detail of you know his being taken up there to 
the third heaven and paradise and being witness to the other apostles that were already resurrected during the time um, that Christ had when he died on the cross and descended down into Sheol. Uh, he's taken up there and then sees the the saints and they know who he is and they welcome him and uh, he sees you know uh, what happens to a righteous and a wicked soul after their death and and so these kind of things affirm to me uh, without a doubt that you know he is part of the elect and uh, did the work of uh, of the apostles and so uh, I'm good with it in the study of what I've learned well, with yeah. regard to Paul. Yeah, I think it's important to um, uh, certainly to bring these things out. And, and what frustrates me is, yeah, first of all, those guys put out like really awesome videos. Um, and I told them, I said, you know, when I was in the corporate world doing uh, professional video and, and in the ministry doing the same thing, Mm-hmm. The, the quality of videos that they're putting out is what I'm used to putting out. The stuff yeah. that I've been putting out on YouTube is like way below that. It's it's like look, just get it out because I don't have any time. Right. And, and, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, the the kind of videos they're putting out. I mean, you got to script it all out. You got to record it. Then you got to go find mm-hmm. like you got to spend a ridiculous amount of time just combing through stock footage to you know find the clips that go along with what you're saying you know and put it all together and nice so it's like I have tremendous respect for people who take the time to the make time, such right. good videos but the problem with with that is because the production of it is so good it is so tempting to easily get drawn into whatever the message is because of the production right. of it and mm-hmm. you know I, I, frankly a, a lot of the arguments i would say easily 80 to maybe even 90% of the arguments are so lame like just so uh really we're having this discussion like what you know it's it's almost it, mm-hmm. i kept feeling like it was like the um you know 10 reasons why we know the earth's a globe and like eight of the 10 <laughs> you can you can totally yeah. squash like a pancake you know right. in seconds without even thinking about it you know mm-hmm. uh that's yeah. sort of the way i felt about the uh various arguments that that are coming against paul um, but there's still, you know, let's say it's 90% like that. You still have the 10% that are, you know, you got to dig in. It's like, okay, right. what's going on? And one of them that, uh, that I, 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 here, let me just say this. I enjoy when there are disagreements like this because it forces me, as it does others, to dig deeper to, to defend whatever it is you think you believe. You think you know, yes, exactly. You know? And so, you know, ultimately, there's a lot of benefit to this as, as difficult and sometimes painful as it can be. I mean, like, like my whole Archon Invasion, my second book that came out of primarily Facebook debates between me and Dante Fortson for like a year, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and going back and forth. And it's like, okay, you know, he's got a point here, but is that valid? Well, let's see. And then I go and dig and dig and dig. And next thing I got a book, you know, I, right. I practically got a book on Paul right now. Uh, just from this, <laughs> last, right on. this last week of Facebook notes and comments, but uh, one of them is where uh, Yeshua confronts Peter, I mean, excuse me, Paul, on the road to Damascus, and mm-hmm. he says, you know, why are you persecuting me? And he says, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks or the goads. And I, you know, honestly, I never knew what that meant. And I was like, that's just kind of bizarre. Uh, but one of the anti-Paulian arguments is that, well, that's a quote from a poem to Dionysus. So, from from like 400 B.C. So, you know, this is part of Paul's testimony, uh, 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 a, a a phrase 
lifted directly lifted from a poem to Dionysus. And and by the way, what is Jesus doing saying that? You know, um, mm-hmm. and on the surface, it seems like well, you know, that's a le- that's an interesting legitimate argument, right? So I start digging into it and come to find out that no, that was actually a very well known Greek figure of speech. Uh, that wasn't just in the poem to Dionysus. It's in a lot of Greek manuscripts. It was a common figure of speech that essentially means when you go up against a higher power, you're going to lose. You know, that's the uh-huh. and the the picture of it is is an oxen, uh, you know, doing its thing. They had like this uh, prod with like a prick on the end of it, and you know when the oxen is not doing its job or whatever the beast of burden is, uh, the person jabs it. You know, and if the animal rebels and tries to kick against the prick. Well, all he does is poke a hole through his foot, and now he's in even more pain. You know, <laughs> so you know the whole idea is, you know, if you're going to buck against a higher power, kick against the prick. Well, you're just going to put a hole in your foot, and you could cause yourself cause yourself more pain. And you would consider everything that Paul was about, and what he was doing, and what his zeal, where his misplaced zeal was. Uh, it was appropriate for Yeshua to say that to Paul because Paul knew the Greek phrase. Like he knew what it meant in an uh-huh. agricultural system, agricultural, uh-huh. uh, in a, a culture of agriculture. Um, it, it makes sense that he would use that, not only for for it to click in Paul's mind, but Paul being the the missionary, if you will, to the Gentiles, everywhere he was going. Right. When he told his testimony, everybody would have been, made the mental association go, oh, yeah, I get it, you know. But these are the kind of things that that I like about this debate is I wouldn't have known that. I would have never have taken uh-huh, the right. time to go look that up. Yeah. yeah, yeah so you, you know learn I mean? something, right. So I, I see value in it, but I, as I told Justin, I'm like, dude, like, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, and I don't like to even admit it, I, I say, don't, this. most of my conferences start with don't believe me, you know? Yes, uh, exactly. I'm, I'm right. not your teacher. I'm an opinionated mm-hmm. student, you know? It happens to have mm-hmm. a microphone. Uh, but I recognize that people still would view me as a teacher and, and I would say that I am doing teaching. So I guess whether mm-hmm. I like it or not, I got to wear that hat. Right. So right, right. as teachers, we're held to a higher accountability. Uh, uh, absolutely. And what I caution him about is the, the collateral damage is enormous. Like, you know, right now, you know, Adam still believes in, uh, he's more on the fence, I would say, but leaning more towards, you know, our side of it, that Paul's legit. Um, uh, and they're like partners, you know, just like you and I are doing this show together. Uh-huh. They have shows that they do together. Uh, so Justin has dissed Paul completely, and uh, Adam's like, uh, okay, uh, hmm. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's listening <laughs> to his friend. He's listening to the art. He's he's trying to be objective, but he's you know he loves Paul uh, as I do and thinks he's legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, they have a huge influence. Uh, I mean, you know, the right. subscription base is, you know, it's a, a respectable, substantial number of people that historically speaking, easily nine times out of ten, whether they do or not, easily nine times out of ten, nine people out of ten people are going to dish Yeshua. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, do you really want to be responsible for that? You know? Right. I don't know. It's just, it, it's, you know, and on the one hand, I'm thinking, okay, the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, uh, we're looking at the likelihood of a, <laughs> a nationwide, if not worldwide, famine. And we're thinking mm-hmm. about throwing out two thirds of the New Testament and questioning the rest of it, <laughs> like, right? What? And, and people are having a connection because I have allergies. What? You know? <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. How strange the times, right? Dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially you know we were talking about 
throwing out the Bible and throwing out food. I mean, this, these are definitely crazy times. You see all these people in need. But uh, I did find um, a passage that I want to read from the uh, epistles that I was talking about. And this is verse 31. And if people can look this up for themselves. It's the, the epistles of the apostles. And it says, And behold, a man shall meet you whose name is Saul which being interpreted is Paul. He is a Jew circumcised according to the law, and he shall receive my voice from heaven with fear and terror and trembling, and his eyes shall be blinded, and by your hands, by the signs of the cross, shall they be protected. Do ye unto him all that I have done unto you. Deliver it unto the other, and at the same time that man shall open his eyes and praise the Lord, even my Father, which is in heaven, he shall obtain power among the people and shall preach and instruct, and many that hear him shall obtain glory and be redeemed. But thereafter shall, be, shall men be wroth with him and deliver him into the hands of his enemies. And he shall bear witness before kings that are mortal, and his end shall he that he shall turn unto me. Whereas he persecuted me at the first, he shall preach and teach and abide with the elect as a chosen vessel and a wall that shall not be overthrown. Yea, the last of the last shall become a preacher unto the Gentiles, made perfect by the will of my Father. Like as ye have learned from the scripture that your fathers the prophets spake of me, and in me it is indeed fulfilled. There's more, but that'll give you an idea. All right, we'll be right back, everyone. The reviews for Extendivite are amazing. Here are some from Amazon. By Christine, great for heart palpitations. By Ann, before I started using this product, every afternoon, my ankles and my hands would be swollen. That doesn't happen anymore. So if that part of their advertising is true, I have to assume that the rest of it is also. Not to mention that when I had my yearly blood test, only a few weeks after beginning to use this product, my cholesterol had dropped over 30 points. I'm going to continue to take it. By Croc, I love this product. It really works, works. By Brad, works great, thank you. Tell us your story. Get your Extendivite today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. This, this, this is iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio makes you want to move. When you have a great melody, a song can last forever. Instantly connected. I love it when the beat goes. Did you know you can listen to Truth Frequency Radio on iHeartRadio? Just download the app to your smart car, smartphone, or smart TV and get the best of TFR wherever you are. iHeartRadio. I'll see you there. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love talkstreamlive.com. 
TalkStream Live is always on 24-7 with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Fears the mind killer. Fears the little death. This is Uncle Walt from the Ironworks. Josh, Corey, and I have chosen to look at life with no fear. No fear of the unknown. No fear of questions about the supposedly well-known. No fear of ridicule for thinking outside the familiar fool's lines. No fear of the boot on the neck of those refusing the party line. No fear of taking on those so convinced of their beliefs they would sooner drink the Kool-Aid than believe they've been fools made. In this world filled with me too, cattle think. Can truth's protective layers be peeled back to show the tender, juicy pink? Are we all just grist for the mill? Souls sold against our will, or is the will, or is how it just feels? When you're filled to the rim, TVality so fear-filled and grim, break clear of the fear. Right here, Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 a.m. on TFR. Josh and I and you will hammer out the impurities of technology-driven groupthink, fold in a dash of logic, and quench it all with a bit of absurdity. The Ironworks, break clear of the fear. No hate, no hype, no fear. We are EFR, your protection from, from deception. And in those days, there were giants in the land, and the sons of the angels of God looked upon the daughters of men and found them fair, and took of them wives, and their sons became of old great men of renown. So they have been mixing with us on a genetic level since the time of Enoch and Ezekiel's will. All right, welcome back, everybody. I do want to give you the the last two passages of this particular quotation, and what I'm reading is the Epistles of the Apostles. It's chapter uh, or verse 31 and 33 specifically. Um, I will be skipping 32, but just to bring the rest of this. And he said unto us, Be ye also therefore guides unto them in all things that I said unto you, and that ye write concerning me, tell ye them that I am the word of the Father, and that the Father is in me. Such also shall ye be unto that man as becometh you. Instruct him and bring to his mind that which is spoken of me in the scriptures and is fulfilled. And thereafter shall he become the salvation of the Gentiles. And we asked him again, when shall we meet with that man? And when wilt thou depart unto thy father and our God and Lord? He answered and said unto us, that man will come out of the land of Cilia unto Damascus of Syria 
to root up the church which ye must found there. It is I that speak through you, and he shall come quickly, and he shall become strong in the faith, that the word of the prophet may be fulfilled, which saith, Behold, out of Syria will I begin to call together a new Jerusalem, and Sion will I subdue unto me, and it shall be taken, and the place which is childless shall be called the son and the daughter of my father and my bride. For so hath it pleased him that sent me, but that man will I turn back, that he accomplish not his evil desire, and the praise of my father shall be perfected in him. And after that I am gone home, and abide with my father. I will speak unto him from heaven, and all things shall be accomplished, which I have told you before concerning him. So, um, I think it's clear that, you know, Yeshua is um, an advocate of Paul. <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Yeah. You know, All right. people get upset that we talk about some of these things. You know, this is an Enoch show, but yeah. this stuff's important, you know. It is. It is. Um, I agree. You know, on another note, I was watching, uh, have you ever heard of Brad Scott? Mm-mm. No. He's a, uh, I really like him, first of all. He's, he's a really nice guy, very cool. I uh, enjoy a lot of his teachings. But um, people like to send me uh, his teaching on the sons of God and the giants and stuff. Because he's a Sethite guy. Well, actually, not even. He's not really even a Sethite guy. He's 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 kind of a. He gives he he says there's like three positions. There's the angelic view, the Sethite view, and then there's the mighty man view, that there were people who were in positions of power and authority and you know rulers, that they were the ones that that you know took the daughters of men, and. You know, I, I've I've met the guy. I met him at uh, um, United and Torah Conference in San Diego. I think it was 2015. Um, we were sitting at a campfire after the conference, you know, just kind of hanging out outside. And uh, I say, you know, uh, nobody prior to 160 A.D. held the view that you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know>? And uh, <laughs> it, 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 we, we kind of get into friendly jabbing, you know, um, but you know, I've, he did a, a whole series in 2016 that I'm going, I'm, I'm suffering through <laughs> right now, you know, um, to like an hour long, and I'm, I just started part four, so he's taken literally three hours to say nothing, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. um, trying to make his case. I'm like, anybody that has to tap dance for three hours to make an otherwise right. simple, <laughs> very simple point. Uh, is clearly you know trying really hard to just ignore the simplicity of the text and the mountain of information <laughs> that supports the, right. the right. angelic view. Uh, I guess he's uh, totally against the Book of Enoch as well, huh? Well, he'd have to be. Uh, I haven't yeah, got. Of to, yeah, I haven't got to yeah. that part. He's he's saving it for last, and I'm I'm curious to where he goes with Jude and Peter, uh-huh. uh, also yeah. uh, citing the things that they do. Um. But you know, it's again, you know, all these things that's going on right in my life right now. These, I'm like, oh man, like I'm going in 50 directions right now. Right. Uh, right. You know, researching stuff, and then I saw a movie a couple of days ago uh, called Silence. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-mm. It's a. I'm generally not a, uh, a Martin Scorsese fan, 
but uh, it's it's one of his films. It came out uh, a few years ago. Um, it's about missionaries in Japan and and the persecution of Christians in Japan. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, it's it's almost a three hour long movie. It's a hard movie to watch. Um, uh, and you're tempted as you go through the thing to think that this is just going to be more anti-Christian propaganda. Um, and there are parts where I did think that. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody that might want to ch- check it out. But the very end of it, it it's one of those... Uh, this is how I uh, identify good filmmaking is when it sticks with you long after you've watched it. And, right. And you're wrestling through the thoughts and things that the character had to go through. You know, as if like, well, what would I do in that situation? You know, and I say all that to say that, you know, Paul was one of the guys doing that persecution. Hardcore. Yeah, right. And, and then he, he, something happened that radically turned him around such that now he was the guy who spent the rest of his life being physically abused until his head <laughs> yeah. finally rolled off the chopping block. <laughs> right. Like, this guy has taken a greater stand for the kingdom uh, than anybody that I know, mm-hmm. you know, right. certainly than anybody coming against him right now. I'm like, right. guys, like we, we have the gift of these texts being left for us, you know, and in Enoch, like, okay, Cave 4 had something like six copies, I think, of the Book of Enoch and Cave 4 alone of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And mm-hmm. that's dated to, you know, between 400 and 200 B.C. Copies. So... Like clearly, these were important texts. Like, why do we want to throw these out? You know, to believe things that you have to tap dance for three hours to try right. to justify. <laughs> right, and especially when the you know, especially with the Book of Enoch, I mean, it brings clarity and elaborates on Genesis six more so than any other text available out there. And in reading it and studying it. Uh, things like you know the sons of God and also the luminaries and biblical cosmology and um, the the elect one uh, Christ being the Savior Messiah I mean all these things are affirmed mm-hmm. without a doubt and it's an ancient text so I mean and it was found the predominant text found amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls and so you can't argue with its veracity yeah and so. But, you know, people try to. And then, as we've said and mentioned previously, and yes, we will go into the text here in just a minute, everyone, but um, (laughs) people only want to accept portions. You know, they want to pick and choose. And it's like with the Bible. uh, Are you going to accept the whole of it or, you know, uh, the same thing with those people that are heliocentric and want to ignore the Genesis timeline and the whole thing of the sun and the moon standing still and sun going back 10 degrees on the sundial. I mean, it's not the earth, you know, if it were mm-hmm. the earth causing the sun to go down, then it would have been the earth that would have been stopped and reversed and yeah, all that. So, yes. Yeah, so, uh, in that regard, um, did you get through, uh, uh, chapter 75 in Charles, the the leaders or the heads of the thousands were placed over the whole creation. Yes, uh, yes, um, yes. I explained that um, when I was talking about the the different calendars and the the systems and all that. Okay, so um, 
did you did we get a get through it fair enough or do you want to revisit it and pick up yeah yeah we can revisit it Uh, because if i remember right i didn't read the uh, lawrence version we just did right uh, i'm not gonna bother reading it but you know it's it's close enough Mm -hmm. i just did the yeah where i broke down and did the explanation from my book and so that's when i gotcha read yeah but yeah Uh, let's do it um I'm just looking through it to see anything in here that maybe caught my eye. Right. Uh, verse six for the tw- as for the twelve portals in the heaven at the ends of the earth, out of which go forth the sun, moon, and stars, and all the works of heaven in the east and west. Uh, there are many windows open to the left and right of them, and one window at its appointed season produces warmth, corresponding as they do to the doors from which the stars come forth, according as he has commanded them, and wherein they set corresponding to their number and I saw chariots in the heaven running in the world above those portals in which revolve the stars that never set and one is larger than all the rest and it is that that makes its course throughout the entire world what is that that's like the the chariot that is above the others running in the world Uh, did you cover that at all no, I didn't. Uh, the last thing I remember that we spoke about, we were talking about the um, these the eclipses, and then we ended with uh, we were talking about how in the Book of Enoch it describes the um, the sun and moon being of equal size and dimension. And let me see where that was. Um, because this, in, this is uh, what I just read, which is the latter part of uh, Charles. 74. 75. Yeah. 75, okay. Yeah, um, in Enoch 71, verse 47, it says that it shines with the seventh portion of light from the moon, but the dimensions of both are equal. And I remember, right, I remember that, that we had, yeah. yeah, we had, I mean, we read this long before, but I, I know that we had, we were talking about the eclipses at the very end, and we had made mention of that. So, all right, let me so, review this. So maybe this we didn't again. get. So maybe we didn't get this far then. Or, yeah, or no, I don't think we we did. We didn't talk about this specifically. All right, all right I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll, we'll just go ahead here, and if we did, it's a review, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so f- mm-hmm. for Lawrence, um, yeah, this is seventy-four in the Lawrence. So. <clears throat> Uh, these are the leaders of the chiefs of the thousands, those which preside over all creation and all over all the stars with the four days which are added and never separated from the place allotted them according to the complete computation of the year. And these serve four days which are not computed in the computation of the year. Respecting them, men greatly err, for these luminaries truly serve in the mansion of the world one day in the first gate one in the third gate, one in the fourth, and one in the sixth. Oh, that's interesting. They throw out the fifth. Uh, and the harmony of the world becomes complete every 364th state of it. For the signs, the seasons, the years, and the days, Uriel showed me the angel whom the Lord of glory appointed over all the luminaries. Of heaven in heaven and in the world, that they might rule in the face of the sky and appearing over the earth become conductors 
of the days and nights, the sun, the moon, the stars, and all the ministers of heaven, which make their circuit with all the chariots of heaven. Thus Uriel showed me twelve gates open for the circuit of the chariots of the sun in heaven, from which the rays of the sun shoot forth. From these proceed heat over the earth when they are opened in their state, stated seasons. They are for the winds and the spirit of the dew, when in their seasons they are opened, opened in heaven at its extremities. Twelve gates I beheld in heaven at the extremities of the earth, through which the sun, moon, and stars, and all the works of heaven proceed at their rising and setting. Many windows also are opened on the right and on the left. One window at a certain season grows extremely hot. So also are their gates from which the stars go forth as they are commanded, and in which they set according to their number. I saw likewise the chariots of heaven running in the world above to those gates in which the stars turn, which never set. One of these is greater than all, which goes around the whole world. Okay. Um, I'll read it and then we'll comment on it. But this particular chapter is about the Zodiac hmm. uh, and the 12 constellations. And I'll explain also why it mentions the first, uh, the fourth, uh, and the fifth and the the um, the sixth gate, the first, the third, the fourth, and the sixth gate. Hmm. Um, it's because that's where the equinoxes and solstices occur. But all right, let me read this. And the leaders of the heads of the thousands who are placed over the whole creation and over all the stars have also to do with the four intercalary days being inseparable from their office according to the reckoning of the year. And these render service on the four days which are not reckoned in the reckoning of the year. And owing to them, men go wrong therein for those luminaries truly render service on the world stations, one in the first portal, one in the third portal, of the heaven, one in the fourth portal, and one in the sixth portal. And the exactness of the year is accomplished through its separate 364 stations. For the signs and the times and the years and the days, the angel Uriel showed to me, whom the Lord of glory hath set forever all over all the luminaries of the heaven, in the heaven and in the world, that they should rule on the face of the heaven and be seen on the earth and be leaders for the day and the night the sun the moon the stars and the ministering creatures which make their revolution in all the chariots of the heaven in like manner twelve doors Uriel showed me open in the circumference of the sun's chariot in the heaven through which the rays of the suns break forth and sun break forth, and from them is warmth diffused over the earth when they are opened at their appointed season. And for the winds and the spirits of the dew, when they are opened, standing open in the heavens at the ends, as for the twelve portals in the heaven, at the ends of the earth, out of which go forth the sun, the moon, and stars, and all the works of heaven in the east and in the west, there are many windows open to the left and to the right of them. And one window at its appointed season produces warmth corresponding as these do to those doors from which the stars 
come forth according as he has commanded them, and wherein they set corresponding to their number. And I saw chariots in the heaven running in the world above those portals in which revolved the stars that never set, and one is larger than all the rest, and it is that it is that that makes its course through the entire world. All right, um, I'll I'll explain some of this. Did you ever see and, uh, the the um, uh, movie Gods of Egypt? Yes, I did. Yeah, and they how they depict the yeah. Earth as being a plane. Yeah. Well, yeah, and also, you know, Enoch's not the only text to describe the sun with a chariot. Uh-huh. Uh, and being pulled, and it, I thought, you know, stylistically, visually, they did, did a really good job of uh, of showing. That. I think that was a right. Ridley Scott movie, I think. Um, but uh, you know, the, the Sumerians had a similar concept. Uh, in fact, Brian Gadawa, uh, you know, he's written a lot of books, uh, fictional novels taking place in the pre-flood genre, and. Uh-huh. He he did a one I think it was about uh, Gilgamesh, um, depicting a lot of these things you know, uh, and, and that's what freaked me out because I'm I'm like is he a flat earther? So I, you know I called him <laughs> up you know I called him up and he's like no 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 I was just trying to be faithful <laughs> to what they believe. And I said okay wait a minute, if you're being faithful to what you know and and mm-hmm. very well document how because he's got extensive footnotes yeah. and stuff to to justify his fiction he he gives you in fact he's got a whole. Yeah book that's basically he took his footnotes and turned it into a, a non-fiction book to, to you know and I'm like so you make a, a, an amazing scholarly case for what the ancients believed and not just the generic ancients of multiple cultures but what you would identify as the Holy Spirit inspired authors of the Hebrew text as well you know and yeah, it may be but he yeah but he's you know he's in the Heiser camp you know yeah well, yeah. yeah but we know better than them they were just primitives. Yeah, so, you know, th- there's that passage, in, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, maybe I can just look it up in um, Revelation, where it talks about the uh-huh. angel standing in the sun. Standing uh-huh. in the sun. Uh, yeah, Revelation 19.17. Uh, and I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice, saying, To all of the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. So, you know, what? You know, John is telling us. And it's not John, because if you read the beginning of Revelation, it says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So right. this is Yeshua here. <laughs> Angel yes. standing in the sun. So, you know, at some point we got to kind of like wrestle with the verbiage here. Like, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's interesting, you know, again, because we were talking about how the luminaries and even the stars, they are representative of angels. Yeah, and in the yeah in the second book of Enoch, it describes actually that the, the sun is the light of a thousand angels. And so, mm. um, you know, there could be multiple angels that uh, host and move and uh, help keep the the brightness of the sun um but with regard to this particular chapter again it it's has to do the leaders of the thousands are the stars that are 
predominant within the constellations. Um, and it's talking about the the 12 houses of the constellations. And as far as the those days that are not counted with the uh, the four that are the intercalary days, those are the solstices and the equinoxes. And the mention of them as have occurring um, one in the first portal, one in the fourth portal, um, one in one in the third and one in the sixth. This is actually when they where the gates of heaven are, as I told you that they were laid out, that the vernal equinox occurs in the third portal. When the sun crosses the third portal and reaches the equator, that's the vernal equinox. And then when it reaches the sixth portal, which is where the uh, the Tropic of Cancer is, it reaches for summer solstice and then reversing course will descend back down through the sixth portal until it goes through the fifth. And then when it reaches the fourth portal, as it says here in the second portion, one is in the fourth portal, that is where the, uh, the autumnal equinox occurs. And when the sun crosses the fourth portal, it reaches again the equator. And so that's when the vernal, I mean, the autumnal equinox happens. Then it descends down through the third gate, the second gate, and then reaching the first gate, which is the first one that it mentions here, one in the first portal, that is where the Tropic of Capricorn is, and that's where the winter solstice occurs. And so the leaders of the heads of the thousands and these particular four days that are being spoken about that are not included in the 360-day solar year, um, these are, again, these solstices and the equinoxes. And that's why, because they also, it's these days that set the timing of the seasons, that when we reach the vernal equinox, that begins spring. Uh, when you reach the summer solstice, that's the beginning of summer. When you reach that autumnal equinox, that's the beginning of fall. When you reach the winter solstice, that's the beginning of winter. And, you know, the 91 days that comprise each one of these seasons. And so that's what it's speaking about here. And then when it talks about how the heat and the dew and all of that is produced according to the revolutions. Um, this is the, the sun not only moving through the constellations of the zodiac, but we know that in its transit back and forth between the Tropic of Capricorn and the Tropic of Cancer, that especially for those that are living in northern latitudes for three months out of the year, and and then when it reaches the um, the for the winter solstice reverses course and then reaches the equator again, that is the vernal equinox and the beginning of spring. And so Enoch is describing this motion and this pattern. Uh, we'll be right back, everyone, for a second hour.
censorship and regulation is becoming an ever-growing problem in today's modern media. From the mainstream to YouTube and Google, the information you're looking for is buried by official narratives and propaganda. This is why TFR is 100% uncensored, unregulated, and listener-supported. The shows on TFR are not micromanaged by the station, and our hosts are free to speak their minds however they please. As such, the views and opinions expressed on our station are of those who make them. If you happen to hear anything offensive on TFR, please send us an email to toughtitty at tfrlive.com, and we'll be happy to tell you that we really don't give a damn. We stand for freedom of speech and non-censorship. If you also stand for free speech, you can go to tfrlive.com slash sign up and sign up for a TFR supporter pass and help us in our mission to keep the airwaves uncensored and unregulated. TFR Live, your uncensored and unregulated protection from deception. He might rehire him. I'm Lisa Lacerra, Fox News. That's what President Trump said when asked about his former national security advisor, Michael Flynn. As documents related to the investigation of Flynn suggest he may have been set up. Flynn pled guilty to lying to the FBI about interactions he had with the Russian ambassador in the week before President Trump took office. They were trying to force him to lie. You see the, the written statements where they were trying to force him into a position where we can get him on a lie, or can we get him this way or that way? This is terrible. The president saying what was done to Flynn was Flynn was right. On the economy, the president saying he expects things will improve soon. I think it's going to be a transition quarter, the third quarter. I think the fourth quarter is going to be very good, and I think next year is going to be fantastic because of the stimulus. Democrats in Congress are now considering an additional stimulus package. Speaker Nancy Pelosi says state and local governments are seeking up to a trillion dollars. But the economy now is hurting as millions more Americans apply for unemployment. Though the weekly pace of layoffs has slowed since the peak of late March, there were 3.8 million workers applying for unemployment benefits last week. That brings the total number of new claims to about 30 million in just a month and a half. The biggest increases in new claims last week were in Florida, Georgia, California, Texas, and New York. Millions more new claims are expected in coming weeks. The official unemployment rate will be released next week in the Labor Department's report for April. Ginny Cosola, Fox News. New York City is, York City is signing more than 1,000 employees to enforce social distancing and distribute 20, 275,000 masks at parks and other public places. The city is also wrapping up testing for the virus and production of surgical gowns for health care workers. America is listening to Fox News. Wherever you are, make it, make it TV. Oh. Truth Frequency Radio.
All right, welcome back, everybody, for a second hour. Uh, we are going through the book of Enoch, currently reading through chapter 75 in the R.H. Charles translation and 74 in the uh, Richard Lawrence. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to cover in this particular chapter, brother? Uh, yeah, um, but before that, uh, I had a little glitch with my OBS software that caused me to momentarily lose the stream uh, during your last segment for those that are watching on YouTube. Everybody on the radio obviously heard it, but uh, in, in the YouTube chat, they're wondering if you could just do a brief recap on some of the last few things you touched on before the break. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Okay, and so what I was talking about with the portals is that it the movement in the of the sun as Enoch describes it, where the first chapter, chapter 72 in the R.H. Charles, and I think it's 71 in the Richard Lawrence, it describes the motions of the sun through the six gates of heaven. Well, we talked about that in great detail within that chapter, and I spoke about how Enoch begins his description of that motion with the sun located on the equator uh, right after it has crossed through the third gate. And this is where the vernal equinox occurs. And that begins the, the season of spring. And that actually happens, as I said, right above the third portal. Because in this particular, um, this particular text, it makes mention of the leaders... Um, the leaders of the heads of the thousands, and then the four intercalary days being inseparable from the office according to the reckoning of the year. And then it says that these four days occur, one in the first portal, one in the third portal, one in the fourth portal, and one in the sixth portal. So the one that occurs in the third portal, as I said, when the sun crosses the third gate, the third portal, it reaches the equator for the vernal equinox and that's this particular one then it moves towards the um, the tropic of cancer which is the sixth gate it will cross through the fourth which is directly above the equator the fourth fifth and sixth gate and then reaching the sixth gate it will reverse course and so that's why it says that one in the sixth portal. This is where the summer solstice happens. And then descending back down through the sixth, the fifth, and the fourth gate, it will reach, and that's why it says here, one in the fourth portal, it will reach autumnal equinox at the equator. And then it will descend down through the third, the second, and the first uh, gate and reach, and that's why it says here, one in the first portal, because that's where the winter solstice occurs. And so these particular days, these four days, are the solstices and the equinoxes according to the motion of the sun through back and forth between the Tropic of Capricorn and the, uh, the Tropic of Cancer. And so, you know, again, Enoch describes the beginning of that with the vernal equinox because that's when God's calendar starts with the month of Abib or the month of Nisan. Uh, which is aligned with the vernal equinox in the beginning of spring. And so, and then um, it talks about how the 
the the heat and also the dews um, are aligned with this particular motion because we know that the spring rains occur in March and April when the sun crosses the equator and it reaching the northern latitudes that begins spring for us and the reason we start to have more rains is because now the sun is located above the topography in these northern latitudes and it's actually causing the evaporation of the water from the lakes and the streams and the rivers and uh, the oceans and that is that evaporation is rising into the air and then when it condensates and creates storm clouds then it creates the rain and so the cycle of the rains and also the the dry time because in the summer when the sun is located and remains uh, above us for long periods of time that's what creates our summer heat and um, you know and so the the rains and the heat and also the winds are all patterned after the movement and the motions of the sun and they follow the sun as it moves in rotation around Polaris and as it creates night and day in the different portions of the plane of the earth and then you know once it reaches the equator for the uh, the autumnal equinox it will cross into southern latitudes and cause that same cycle for those that live in the outer circle of the plane of the earth and that begins their spring and their summer and that begins our fall and our winter because the sun is moving away from us it's not located over our topography anymore and that's also why the winds will the arctic you know the polar breezes and the arctic um, uh, weather reaches down so far into uh, the southern climates because it's following the sun and the um but yeah hurricanes tornadoes all of the the phenomena of the storm events occur because of that as well was did you hear something interrupting you uh yeah i just heard um something about the hurricanes and something from a video oh i apologize um oh it's all good it's yeah, all I, the same i thing. was trying to mute it on my end so i could preview it before i put it up uh then i realized what was going out um oh yeah no worries well to go along with what you're so uh you were able to hear it yeah mm -hmm. so that would mean then everybody else should be able to hear it theoretically yeah, uh, I think so. So, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. If you wanted to continue your thought before... Oh, I... no, no, I, I think I, I covered it. Okay, think, so um, there's a, a video that I did uh, December 11th, 2017, when I was debunking the top 10 reasons why we supposedly know the Earth's a globe. And mm -hmm. um, uh, number 8 and 2, I think it was 2 uh, of the 10, were the, the harder ones for me when I was first getting into this. You know, like I said earlier, it's like 8 out of 10 were like, really? This is like, oh, you could travel east and you know, go all the way around and come back where you started. Uh, poof, the earth's a globe. Well, yeah, that works on a record player, too. You know, <laughs> it's like, really? This is an argument, you know? Uh, but the the uh, Coriolis effect and the uh, lunar eclipse were the two that, that took a little more thinking 
uh, to debunk. And uh, when I was looking into that, I was trying to figure out, like, why is it, you know, because it is true that storms, generally speaking, but not always, uh, in the northern so-called hemisphere versus the southern spin in different directions. You know, and that's supposedly one of the uh, Coriolis proofs for the Earth being uh, a globe. Um, and so in my effort to try to figure out, okay, what's going on here, this is what I put together in that regard. Can you hear it? to the movement of weather. 
suggest you watch these videos here by Richard Hopkins from the YouTube channel Mr. Thrive and Survive. He has some interesting insights, uh, and as I understand it, he comes from actually uh, having a meteorological background. Uh, I was going to put those videos here, but just for the sake of time, uh, I'll say... Yeah, anyway. Uh, hang on a second. Sounds like uh, I'm looking in the chat room. People couldn't hear it. <laughs> uh, oh, really? I heard it. Uh, you know, uh, perfectly. Everybody's saying the volume's yeah. really low. I wonder if it because it was coming yeah. through my monitor speakers, so maybe they were just hearing it through my headset mic instead of mm. my actual system uh, audio. I apologize for that. Uh, anyway, you guys can go check it out for yourself. Uh, go to my YouTube channel, debunking number eight of the top ten reasons why we allegedly know the Earth is round, as in a globe. Um, but I bring that up because I was thinking about what you were saying, and you know how the the sun's going through you know what Enoch calls these portals, right? And that when it goes through, what was it the fourth gate or the sixth gate when it gets hot? Right. Yeah, that's the fourth gate because uh, it, it crosses the third, reaches the equator, which is between the third and the fourth. But yes. Uh, that creates the vernal equinox. It crosses the third gate, and uh, that's the vernal equinox, and then it moves through the fourth, fifth, and sixth over the course of summer until it reaches the Tropic of Cancer for the summer solstice. Yeah, so um, chemtrail activity aside, because they are mm -hmm. certainly, and HARP and all that, they are certainly manipulating weather, weather patterns. Absolutely. Uh, you know, screwing a lot of those things up. But, you know, uh, it what you were describing helps to make sense. It's like, okay, I mean, if we consider the idea of the ether and it being, you know, some sort of plasma or liquid of some sort, you know, whatever, and the sun, moon, and heavenly luminaries traveling through this thing, leaving wakes behind. And right. as they're moving, they're, they're pushing air. Yes, you know, and, you know, the air, just like a boat going through the water, leaves that wake, you know, behind it. Right. They're right. leaving a, a, an air wake, uh, if you will. Because, um, you know, I mean, right now we've had some killer storms. Like I was just, I told you about that conference call that I was on with uh, uh, Justin Best and Adam Fink. And, like, during that, all of a sudden this massive storm just came through, like, I'm looking out my window like trees are bending. I'm like, oh boy, I gotta, uh -huh. I gotta go rescue my my <laughs> my fledgling plants out in the back, you know. Uh, get, uh, like, I mean, you know, this is the time of the year, right? I mean, it is, yes. Those air currents getting pushed around and these storms happening and you know hurricane seasons and all that kind of stuff, you know, right. it, it helps to make sense, you know, in that regard. Uh, so I can totally visualize and and uh, see justification for the things that you were talking about. But mm -hmm. but then at the same time, uh, you know, I, I highlighted in the um, uh, Charles translation, verse 3, and all the ministering creatures which make their revolution in all the chariots of the heaven. And that's where I'm scratching my head going, what? <laughs> what is that? Um, did you give any thought to that when you were going through your, your um, thesis? Mm -hmm. um, I think the you know the creatures are are ascribing the different angels that are also over uh, and the different elements as well as the dew, the rains, uh, even the winds. That there are angels assigned to all of them, 
and you know the you have the cherubim, the ophanim, um, and the seraphim angels, and I do believe that they are regarded as creatures, and so um, that this could be what it's speaking about with regard to the hosts of heaven that are in charge of those particular aspects, because even the hoary frost, the snow, we see, you know, in different portions, earlier portions of the book of Enoch, uh, that it describes these celestial hosts as being um, over those particular elements and those particular occurrences and happenings, and they are regulated. They're they're patterned. Uh, you know, we see that in different parts of uh, the the world you have a, a rainy season um, and you know, a dry season yeah. and then you have the winter where everything is um, dormant and so those kind of things and often you know like here in Georgia we have uh, four seasons and we really feel the effects of right. um, the spring, summer, fall and winter but a lot of places only have the you know, the three predominant seasons, but it's all dependent upon, um, I believe, the topography and also how far you are away and near both the equator and the outer circle or the northern um, pole, that the differences in altitude and uh, latitude and uh, and also that, you know, the, the storms as the sun moves uh, in circle and also back and forth between the Tropic of Capricorn and Tropic of Cancer, it creates the lower and high, higher pressure zones as well, and that regulates storms and patterns. And you know, then you have the ongoing evaporation, condensation, and all that playing out. And so, yeah, it's like um, you know the a soup uh, out there uh, of dew and morning mist and and rains and all that and then you have uh, them putting up barium and stromium and aluminum and all that into the chemtrails and so that kind of skews things as well yeah messing it all up uh, right <clears throat> uh, th this passage talks about URIL sort of being the uh, uh, chief yeah the man chief angel manager in charge of all of this mm -hmm. um but it seems like I read somewhere else that uh, I think it's Raguel. Yes. Uh, you know, he's basically in charge of punishing the angels, the mm -hmm. the, the, the the luminary sentient beings that uh, if they don't do what you know, their prescribed right. thing is, right, come forth at their appointed time. I mean, it's interesting. Um, you know, with anything like this, you kind of struggle with like, okay, what is what is literal, physical? What is mm -hmm. allegorical, metaphorical? You know, uh, like the right. portals. You know, yes. I, I think you make a really good case for them being simply, you know, a, what is a portal? It's an entrance way, or, or you know, something through which something enters and exits. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be a physical structure in a structure. Right. It could just be, you know, when it goes from Capricorn through the equator to Cancer and vice versa. Yes. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, you know, I get that. I, you know, I, that I, that makes sense to me. Um, but yet, it also talks about corresponding doors and windows mm -hmm. in uh, verse seven. 
which, yeah. you know, we have the windows of heaven opened for the flood. Right. And Enoch tells right. you later that those are physical structures that opened through which the heavenly waters from above came down. Right. So what do you make of those? I mean, I, I, I get the portals being regions through which they're passing, but it also says there are many windows open to left and right of them. Um, uh, I, I do absolutely believe that there are, um, you know, like just like windows that can be opened by God and that things can be allowed to come through. And especially if he wants to allow the waters from above to enter into this particular world, um, that that is one of the ways that he does it. I also think that things like um, the this wormwood, this destroyer that is spoken about in the Colburn Bible, uh, that there's a portion of the text that talks about the early destruction of the earth where it was uh, destroyed and recreated. It says that the this destroyer, this sky monster, was allowed to come in uh, through the windows of heaven into this time-space dimensionality. And so uh, I think that God allows celestial objects that he wants to use for judgment against the earth, like the wormwood of Revelation at the end of days, that... Um, that those kind of things, you know, are also allowed to come in through the windows of heaven. And so, um, you know, whether it's a, a rift in space that God allows to happen and that things come through, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, opening worm, uh, wormhole, uh, who knows? But, yeah, I do think it is something that literally open and closes and allows uh, entrance and exit into this world, into this space. Yeah, uh, th there have been a number of movies and television shows that have uh, essentially depicted that, I mean, like the the Avengers movies. Uh, right. Um, most recently, the um, Picard TV series. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't or, seen that one yet. Uh, I, I honestly didn't particularly care for it, but... You know, no. Um, but, you know, at the end of it, it, it basically... Well, not basically it does show that and actually something similar also in uh, Star Trek Discovery which I didn't like either um, but it's it, I mean it seems like this theme is coming up more and more in pop culture of something opening and then s destroyers coming in you know uh, right through it and it's like well you know you're not the or or originators of this idea apparently because we see this you know at least something that could be perceived as that here in the book of Enoch. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree. And, you know, when we get to that portion, chapter 88, where it speaks about the lofty roof and yeah. how it was filled like a bathtub, I mean. Yeah, that yeah. was the, okay, Enoch's a slam dunk for the flat earthers. Like, that was, <laughs> when I read that, I'm like, man, there's like, this is so point blank. I don't know how much clearer it could possibly be. Right. Uh, so, uh, verse 9, um, it says in verse 8, I saw chariots in the heaven running in the world above those portals in which revolve the stars that never set. And one is larger than all the rest, and it is that that makes its course through the entire world. What is that? I think that's the sun. I think that the sun oh. is the <clears throat> oh, that largest would, that would make sense. luminary. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you, you could tie that, you know, if that's the case, you could tie that directly to Psalm 119. Uh, right, exactly, yeah. Or not 119. 19, 19, yeah, Psalm 19, 19, right. Yeah, 
Right. Hmm, interesting. All right. Uh, what do we got? About a minute before break, so we probably don't have time to go into the next chapter right Yeah, here. no, just a minute out. All right. And so, I'll get yeah, there, I'll just... Um, I'll just comment with regard to the, you know, again, because Enoch does describe, and as does do other texts, like the Chronicles of Jeremiel, uh, and I was just reading in the Legends of the Jews that on the fourth day it describes the sun as being one of the luminaries, the seven, which are the predominant, and that's the sun, the moon, uh, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Saturn, and Jupiter. Those are what are called the seven planets of the universe. And so the sun with all of these others are moving in circle around Polaris. And not that, you know, all of these so-called planets are moving in circle around the sun. Uh, that is something that has been made up in which the world has bought into. But it's not that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Yep. All right, we got 20 min minutes, I mean, 20, 20 seconds. seconds before a break, but we'll be right back for final segment, everyone. It is crazy how this show Man. goes by Flying so by. fast. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I know everybody's been enjoying it, and so a lot of good feedback. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back, everyone. everyone, it's Chris Gio, founder of Truth Frequency Radio and host of Beyond the Veil. The mainstream media and establishment are running scared right now, and they've prominently featured TruthFrequencyRadio.com as number 89 on the federal government's hit list, also known as the fake news list, which is essentially a list of sites slated for censorship on Facebook, YouTube, Google, and other social media. Now is the time for you to get involved. Share your favorite TFR shows far and wide on forums and social media. Tell your friends and family about your favorite shows. If you're a business owner, get in touch with us to feature your to feature your product or service right here on TFR. And if you haven't done so already, become a TFR supporter now and get unlimited commercial-free downloads in high quality. Visit truthfrequencyradio.com slash sign up. Thank you for making TFR the leader in independent and uncensored talk radio. Truth Frequency Radio, your protection from deception. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStreamLive is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. 
If you have hard water, the LimeScale not only leaves white spots, it clogs pipes and breaks down appliances, costing you hundreds of dollars in energy and wear. Eliminate LimeScale and other water issues like brown staining and bad odors with HydroCare water products available from Wave Home Solutions. Wave's affordable water systems don't use salts or chemicals. You'll love the way your water tastes, smells, and looks. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, go to bestwater123.com. That's bestwater123.com. For 5,000 years, the world was ruled with wooden ships by one man. 242 years ago, a small group of free men crafted a new nation built on liberty and freedom. Global elites have been fighting to destroy this new nation called America ever since. Based on actual events, Charm of Favor tells a true story of how they corrupted the election system. They infiltrated federal agencies and murdered witnesses, judges, and even presidents to keep from being caught. Now, the largest and wealthiest crime syndicate the world has ever known has been drawn out of the shadows. They have killed they have hundreds of Americans and recently attempted to assassinate half our congressmen. Still, they escape arrest through an almost supernatural charm of favor. Read Charm of Favor and be prepared to open your eyes to what may lie just around the corner. Charm of Favor is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Real people, real radio. Wherever you are, make it TFR. Truth Frequency Radio. everybody for final segment i did post into the chat rooms of both of our shows um this short 15 minute segment uh, the the name of the video is zen garcia plots the course of the sun over the flat earth as cited by enoch and it will show you um just like with what rob had brought up on stellarium uh, how the sun is speeding up and slowing down literally each day as it's shortening or lengthening its course depending on whether it's moving towards the Tropic of Cancer or the Tropic of Capricorn that day and night also the lengths of each are being adjusted and so the sun uh, and this is one of the arguments against you know the as far as the flat earth and the azimuthal equidistant projection map is that the heliocentrists don't believe that the sun can speed up and slow down. Right. But that's exactly what it does. And then we see in the, the as far as the analemma 
uh, which people can take pictures of the sun as it's doing its thing, and it creates this figure eight. That's exactly what it shows to us that the 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 circle um, for summer and fall are smaller, and then the larger outer circle when uh, for us, which is fall and winter, because it's the sun's you know across the equator and moved into southern latitudes. It's a very much larger circle. And so it shows that correspondingly that indeed the sun is uh, moving in slower and tighter rotation for the spring and the fall when it is, I mean, spring and summer when it is above the equator and then moving faster and quicker and larger circles in rotation when it's doing its thing in the fall and the winter. What's and the we did talk about this. Uh, it's uh, Zen Garcia plots the course of the sun over the flat earth as cited by Enoch. Okay, that's a YouTube video? Yeah. Uh, and plots the course of the sun and earth. Oh, okay. That was uh, yeah. that was when you were on my show, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking about, because um, in the book of Ecclesiastes, in the Targum version of Ecclesiastes 1, uh, verses 5 through 7, that um, Solomon describes this same motion and and so we were breaking it down and showing it according to that okay cool yeah I put that up on the screen for people to check out so they could just do right. Zen Garcia plus the course of the sun over the flat earth uh, and you added as cited by Enoch on your channel yes uh, it looks like some other people mirrored it as well and and, and actually when you do that uh, search in YouTube um the uh, project three one four comes up also, mm-hmm. and I guess his interview that you d- uh, you did with Andy Hoy. Yeah, and I just recently did another one. It was uh, interesting in this show. He brought up how um, that the uh, because it was the tabernacle was put up on the first day of Abib or Nisan, which is a, you know they tried to align it with the vernal uh, equinox according to the what he was describing um and so he said that it also creates a sundial and that they would set hmm. these posts um out out in the courtyard and that would also show like the stonehenge uh-huh. that the you know where the sun was moving through these six gates of heaven back and forth um you know and that the tabernacle also served as a sundial which i thought that was interesting yeah yeah very cool mm-hmm. okay uh shall we go to the yeah. next chapter here all right absolutely so for me that's 75 in the lawrence and at the extremities of the earth i beheld 12 gates open for all the winds from which they proceed and blow over the earth three of them are open in the front of heaven three in the west three on the right side of heaven and three on the left the first three are those which are towards the east three are towards the north three behind those which are upon the left towards the south and three on the west from four of them proceed winds of blessing and of health and from eight proceed winds of punishment when they are sent to destroy the earth and the heaven above it all its inhabitants and all which are in the waters or on dry land. The first of these winds proceeds from the gate termed the eastern through the first gate on the east, which 
inclines southwards. From this goes forth destruction, drought, heat, and perdition. From the second gate and middle one proceeds equity. The, uh, their issue from it, rain, fruitfulness, health, and dew, and from the third gate northwards proceed cold and drought. After these proceed the south winds through three principal gates through their first gate, which inclines eastwards, proceeds a hot wind. But from the middle gate proceed grateful odor, dew, rain, health, and life. From the third gate, which is westwards, proceed dew, rain, blight, and destruction. After these are the winds to the north, which is called the sea. They proceed from three gates. The first gate is that which is on the east, inclining southwards. From this proceed dew, rain, blight, and destruction. From the middle direct gate proceed rain, dew, life, and health. And from the third gate, which is westwards, inclining towards the south, proceed mist, frost, snow, rain, dew, and blight. After these, in the fourth quarter, are the winds to the west. From the first gate, inclining northwards, proceed dew, rain, frost, cold, snow, and chill. From the middle gate, proceed rain, health, and blessing. And from the last gate, which is southwards, proceed drought, destruction, scorching, and perdition. The account of the twelve gates of the four quarters of heaven is ended. All their laws, all their infliction of punishment, and the health produced by them have I explained to thee, my son, Methuselah. Hmm. All right. Excellent. All right. Chapter 76. And then I'll post an image from my book to help people to understand what cool. is being spoken about here. Cool. You're going to do that through a, a Skype share? Or? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. All right. And at the ends of the earth I saw twelve portals open to all the quarters of the heaven, from which the winds go forth and blow over the earth. Three of them are open on the face, the east of the heavens, and three in the west, three on the right, the south of the heaven, and three on the left, the north. And the three first are those of the east, and three are the north, and three after those on the left, on the south, and three of the west. Through four of these come winds of blessing and prosperity, and from those eight come hurtful winds. When they are sent, they bring destruction on all the earth and on the water upon it, and all who dwell thereon and on everything which is in the water and on the land. And the first wind from those portals called the east wind comes forth through the first portal, which is in the east, inclining towards the south. From it come forth desolation, drought, heat, and destruction. And through the second portal in the middle comes what is fitting, and from it there come rain and fruitfulness and prosperity and dew. And through the third portal, which lies towards the north, come cold and drought. And after these come forth the south winds through three portals, through the first portal of them inclining to the east comes forth the hot wind, and through the middle portal next to it there come forth fragrant smells and dew and rain and prosperity and health, and through the third portal lying to the west come forth dew and locusts and desolation. And after these the north winds from the seventh portal in the east come dew and rain, locusts and desolation, and from the middle portal come in a direct direction health and rain and dew and prosperity and through the third portal in the west come cloud and hoarfrost and snow and rain 
and dew and locusts. And after these four are the west winds through the first portal. Adjoining the north come forth dew and hoarfrost and cold and snow and frost. And from the middle portal come forth dew and rain and prosperity and blessing. And through the last portal, which adjoins the south, come forth drought and desolation and burning and destruction. And the twelve portals of the four quarters of the heaven are therewith completed and all their laws and all the plagues and all their benefactions have I shown to thee, my son, Methuselah. All right, so let me share my so, screen. So this is Enoch. Well, Uriel is showing this to Enoch. He's writing it down and explaining it to Methuselah. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, Uriel had given it to Enoch first, and then, yeah, he passes it on to Methuselah, yes. All right. So you see this image? Uh, yeah, just stand by. I will get it up for everybody here. There we go. Okay. Okay, so in my opinion, the only way that what is being described in this that can make sense is you have the four quarters. So you have the north, the west, the east, and the south and that the world is divided into these four quarters, these four sections. And then it describes three winds with each one of the quarters. One is close to the north, which I believe is where you have the cold and frigid wind. And then you have one that is closer to the equator, which is the dew and the rains and the, the ones of blessing. Uh, um, well, actually... The one near the equator would be the hot wind, the drier uh, wind. And then you have the one that is lower than that, which would be the, the rains and the dews, a blessing. And I think that according to where the sun is, um, you know, because, again, the, the winds and the rains and everything follow the sun as it moves back and forth between the Tropic of Capricorn or Tropic of Cancer, but that predominantly there are three in each quadrant of the world that produce these the cold wind, the hot wind, and then the wind of rain, dew, and blessing. And that this is all those windows open up and release those particular winds according to the movement of the sun as it transits back and forth between the Tropic of Capricorn and the Tropic of Cancer and where it is in relation as it circles around uh, the North Pole and if it's in southern latitudes, you know, it's circling way out here. And so, uh, but in my opinion, again, you have to just break it down as if Enoch is standing where Polaris is with the angel Uriel looking down on the circle of the Earth he sees the sun and the moon and all the luminaries moving in circle around the North Pole uh, as we've been showing and describing it in you know, all of these um, motions that it would be the same backdrop, that the Earth would be the backdrop and it would be in the orientation of the azimuthal equidistant projection map as we see on the flag of the United Nations and that once you apply those motions, those quadrants, and those winds 
to a map such as this, then it makes, in my opinion, a lot more sense. So, <clears throat> yeah, I would agree. You, you've got the, looks like the map is rotated uh, almost 180 degrees maybe. Because, uh, you know, the standard AE map has Australia up top here, so everything's kind of rotated, it looks like. Because I, yeah, I would, I would look at uh, like your court, your quadrants, like you have it here. It seems mm -hmm. to me it would make more sense if Africa is down here, uh, where you have South and yeah. I, I didn't really know how to yeah. I think to start with that. Yeah. I, I think you've got it rotated about a hundred eighty upside degrees, down. About one hundred eighty degrees. I think it's just got a root. See, uh, I have this other. There one you too, go. Where That's I the did. one. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one makes more sense to me. Um, because I did a similar thing when I was trying to figure out, okay, you know, people who don't want to buy into what we call biblical cosmology and who believe the spherical model, they'll tell you that the four corners are the cardinal points, north, south, east, and west. But, uh -huh. but on their model, that doesn't make sense. There is no a geographic location upon which an angel can stand called east. Right, right. I mean, yeah. If you, uh -huh. if you go east, you're just gonna keep going east. You're, you're never right. gonna arrive. It's a big circle, right? Yeah, you'll never arrive at a location that an angel can be standing on. So yes, the only way that makes sense to me for for I think they're partially correct in that the four corners are the geographical uh, uh, cardinal points, north, south, cardinal east. points. Yes. Uh, that only works, frankly, in my mind, anyway, uh, in this model with a circle inscribed into a square. Exactly. Yes. With the uh, north, south, east, west being judged from the vantage point of Israel. Right. So right. in this orientation that you have on the screen now, that would be correct because you got Israel yeah. down here, north going this way, east yes. with anything going that way, west that way, and south you know that way. Uh, th that makes a lot of sense to me. Right. So uh, yeah, the reason, just so you know, the reason I have these two different maps um it's because in the book of enoch it has an alignment and an orientation to paradise mm. and i was taken uh i don't remember exactly what i was taking paradise from like the middle east and aligning the movements to that uh and then the other one is to jerusalem uh -huh. and yeah. so this one has is the jerusalem alignment but yeah, that one makes sense to me. Uh, that's the same alignment that I came to yeah. uh, in my presentation. I'll see if I can pull that up if you, while you have anything more you might want to say on that. Yeah, so, you know, again, with, in my opinion, the entire book of Enoch, all of chapters of the book on the courses of the heavenly luminaries and his descriptions of the motions of the luminaries, for instance, the sun and the moon, he says that they move from east to west and then back from the north to the east, which is a circle. And it makes sense that um, if the sun rises in the morning every day, that it is circling and that when it reaches the vanishing point in the west, that is morning for those that live on the northern part of the circle of the earth. And they see the sun entering into their um, perspective, and then it lights up their field of illumination over the course of the day, crosses their southern skies, and then reaches in their west, which is our east, um, their 
their sunset and that becomes sunrise for us and so you know again it only makes sense in my opinion um looking that enoch is describing all of these motions while looking down from the vantage point of what would be above the mount of the congregation Mm -hmm. polaris in the sides of the north where the heavenly throne and the temple and god's you know throne is situated um and you know what better vantage point for god to establish the heavenly temple than right there in the circle you know in the middle mm-hmm. yeah uh, to look upon everything yeah. and then if this is also the place that christ and also new jerusalem will descend down from every eye shall see you know i mean yeah because everybody's looking up yeah yeah i agree uh, on the screen, I have uh, from my uh, Test and Globe presentation that I did in Canada. Uh, this is when I was first trying to reconcile these things and figure it out in my mind. This is the usual uh, AE map orientation that's on the screen right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I drew just sort of a compass there with four arrows pointing in different directions. Um, and then I thought, okay, I'm going to rotate this so that it's from the vantage point of Israel. So Israel being right on the north-south line right here, mm-hmm. uh, right underneath it. And then I orientated the uh, the uh, square so that the corners are there. So effectively, this is what I came up with. So you, you've got this so-called circle of the earth orientation like this with Israel uh, on the north-south line. So the vantage point from Israel, that would be north, east, etc. And you look at the different scriptures, where it says, and I justify that by from Ezekiel 5, 5, thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the center of the nations with countries all around her. Oh, nice. Yes. Perfect. So if you sort of put a bullseye right there, Israel's right underneath the crosshair of the black line, the north-south black line, and the yellow. And you look at the landmass that's below that line, above that line, and to the east and west of that line, it's pretty much, that's right. Jerusalem mm-hmm. is at the center of the land mass of the earth. Um, yes. And then, you know, you got the other, he's going to gather to disperse in the four corners of the earth, Isaiah eleven twelve, and And this was the big one that made me, that forced me into having to look at this because this, Revelation 7, 1 says, and I saw, after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. So we're, Enoch's talking about these winds, right? Well, like, Mm-hmm. You got to realize, you know, people that that you know, Enoch is in or the canonized scriptures, I should say, are in perfect alignment with what Enoch's telling you. Right. You know exactly. Uh, and it says that the wind blow, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And of course, we also have uh, Matthew twenty four thirty one. Where Yeshua says, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, uh, as we say in Texas, bless your heart, right? That <laughs> when, we, when we say bless your heart, we're we're not, <laughs> we're actually saying, yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> but uh, there are some people out there that were trying to tell me at that time, no, that just proves a space program. <laughs> you know, that, that, you, know right. yeah, you know, Jesus is going to pull back the astronauts, you know, on the way to Mars or wherever. 
I'm like, yeah, bless your heart. <laughs> no, it's just one end of heaven. That's because Amos tells you that heaven, the firmament that is called heaven, is attached to the earth. You know, now where it is attached, you know, at some point beyond the coastline of Antarctica, uh, that's anybody's guess. You know, I speculate right. 800 to 1200 uh, would be the minimum. Um, of course, you see the other ancient maps that depict land beyond that outside that, so yeah, exactly. you know if that's the case if there's land beyond this ring on the outer side out, out here somewhere uh then the firmament just connects further out you know but yes. it's still connected mm-hmm. one way or another and right. he's gathering somewhere yeah from one end of heaven because heaven's attached to the earth yes you know at, in the four corners so it, to me you know when i'm looking at the text this is the only thing that makes sense. It certainly can't work in any way uh, with the spinning heliocentric globular Earth model. I uh, fully agree. And I, I think that, you know, when people read this manuscript and really consider what is being described, you can only make sense of it by applying it, the Earth as the backdrop for the motions, and that the luminaries are described as moving in circle above the face of the earth and in the heavens. Yep. The tabernacles of, of the earth. And yeah, there's no other way to make sense of it. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, that, uh, Andy Hoy's model, uh, is like the perfect, and this was, this is what frustrates me, uh, about uh, somebody like, uh, Brad Scott, who again, I love, I think he's a great guy, got some amazing teachings, uh, not on the same page with him regarding the Nephilim and not on the same page with cosmology because he's he's sort of like the um, oh, what's that other guy uh, Ray or is it Giglio or something like that uh, you know who I'm talking about the guy who who likes to sh- show the magnitude of the universe and uh, re- re- uh, relate that to the uh, magnificence of God I can't think of his name mm, anyway no, I'm, I'm not sure there, there's a you know another evangelist out there and I look to be fair yeah. I was on the same page you know just a few years ago yeah right right um, but like Brad like he's he's very knowledgeable in the Hebrew and the Paleo Hebrew and the the character meanings of the letters in Hebrew and how it's a pictographic language and meant for uh, you know agricultural type people to understand, you know, very simple, you know, it's just picture, picture language. And like the first letter in the Bible is the letter bait, Bereshit, in the beginning. And the letter bait represents a house. And so like Brad will make a point of talking about how, you know, this was God's plan right from the beginning. You know, his plan was to build a house that he could fellowship with his people in. And, and I'm going, I'm over in the corner raising my hand like, yeah, Brad, like it's a tent. You know, exactly right, right. Nothing about the universe that you believe in fits the yeah, description. Yeah, ever expanding. <laughs> no, yeah. Nothing fits the description you are so eloquently describing, you know? Right, right. I'm like, exactly. just, you know, it's like you, you, you <laughs> love these people and, and they got great teachings, but you're like, dude, like, listen to yourself. You know? Yes, yes, exactly. Because uh, David tells you, like, again, we go back to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is in total agreement. Right. With what we are discussing here. Right. So even exactly. if you want to throw out Enoch, even if you want to throw Enoch out, you've at least got David saying essentially the same thing. you got Amos saying this, Isaiah saying the same thing. I would go right. so far as to say is Jesus Christ, Yeshua, saying the same thing in yes. his revelation to John, you know. And Solomon. And Solomon. Yes, Job. Yeah, right. 
you yeah. know, can you make firm the skies above, right? You know, it's like right, right. Molten looking glass, yes. Molten looking glass. Uh, well, I think we're about the end right now. It looks like yeah, about a minute. We are. So. Well, we got through what two right, chapters? Brother. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, these are elaborate though, and yeah. people can now make sense of them in a way that you know is understandable at least. Hope so. All right, man. Be blessed. All right, see God you next bless week. everyone. All right. Good night, all. Shalom. Shalom.